This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. No Conservative Party leadership race is ever without drama. One of the biggest rifts from Friday's TV debate was when Penny Mordaunt denied that she had ever been in favour of a self-identification policy for transgender people while she was an equalities minister. Her rivals, Kemi Badenoch and Liz Truss, suggested this was not true and leaked documents reported in the Sunday Times today appear to back this up. Speaking to Sophie Rayworth, Mordaunt sought to defend her record on the issue. People's right to legally change their gender You've been accused of changing your mind on this. So I just want to give you the chance to completely clear it up now. Quite simply, do you think trans people should have to get a diagnosis of gender dysphoria before they can legally change their gender? Uh, Yes, and if you look at the article in the Sunday Times today, that is stated very clearly in that document. This has been rebutted many times, and I have to say... We, can all, we all know what's going on. And as I say, this is the type of toxic politics that people want to get away from. The poor British public have a month of this to go. They've got a month of us choosing their prime minister. And it's an opportunity for our party to show ourselves at our, at our best. And we should be talking and focusing on the issues that concern them. So if you did believe that, so you just to be very clear, you think that people, trans people should have to get a diagnosis of gender dysphoria before they can legally change their gender. It's a question that has been put to you a lot, and particularly on Friday. So if you did believe that, when you were equalities minister in Theresa May's government, the policy then was to get rid of it. Why did you not say something it, then? It wasn't to get rid of it. We did a consultation. We asked healthcare professionals what they thought about the situation. And that is the section that I looked after. I I managed that consultation. We didn't actually, on my shift, produce a policy. Um, All of this is, I'm afraid, uh, a a number... There's a number of smears going on in the papers. That's not representative of how my party operates. My colleagues are very uh, angry and upset that this is how... Uh, the leadership contest is being uh, dragged down. And I think that all candidates ought to be demonstrating what they're going to be like in government in this contest. Let me ask you if And you... that means focusing on people's issues. It means being positive. It means having integrity. Rayworth also brought up a claim made by Mordaunt during the Brexit referendum campaign back in 2016. On the Mar programme, Mordaunt had argued that the UK did not have the power to veto Turkish accession to the European Union. Uh, we did have a veto over Turkey joining the EU. Do you now accept that that was misleading? No. First of all, I'm very proud to have fought for Brexit, to campaign for it, to vote for it and to have helped deliver it. And that is a classic example of the campaign that we were up against. David Cameron had given undertakings to Turkey that uh, we would support, the United Kingdom would support uh, its succession to the EU. Just because there's a provision in a treaty doesn't mean that the UK could ever have used that. And to have gone back on what was government policy and those undertakings he had given to Turkey, a key NATO ally, would have been crazy. But the point that I made on that clip and I feel very strongly about, is that the British people did not 
have a say. They did have a say in the referendum and but they chose. It was a fact that the UK did have a veto, wasn't it? Member states' right to a veto is spelled out in Article 49 of the Treaty on the EU. We claim we did not, you claim we did not have a veto. Do you accept we, that what you said didn't. at the time was misleading? No. But it's, we in, didn't. The, it's in Article 49. No. We, we didn't, Sophie, have a veto because we couldn't use that provision in the treaty. And, and the clip says it, as I, I, says it as I see it. The, the British people did not have a say. That I'm was talking part about actual of the facts. So that's no, no. not the fact. That isn't the actual facts. The actual facts is we did have a veto. The UK had a veto. It was in the treaty. Which we could have never used. We, we could have never... It was a fact that we had the, We did have it, though. We could never have used it. Why? You can't say to a, a, a country that's one of your key partners, we will support you, and then not. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, this is... You're this dancing is why... around the detail no. here, though. The actual fact is... The it's act... like 2016 all over again. This is why people were so fed up with being in the EU, because there were important things that were happening that they felt they had no control over. That's why they wanted powers to be, to be given back to the, the United Kingdom. The Attorney General, Suella Braverman, who had been running as a candidate herself until her elimination, gave her opinion of Mordaunt to Carol Walker on Times Radio. Hansard makes it very clear what Penny's view was. She resisted changing that wording. She wanted the words pregnant person. She resisted the inclusion of the word woman. Um, and it was only after sustained opposition that she was forced to concede and accept uh, on a compromise of the word mother. So do you think she's too woke to lead the Conservative Party in the country? My view of Penny is that she is woke, yes. Interviewed by Sophie Ridge, the former Conservative leader Ian Duncan-Smith, who is backing Foreign Secretary Liz Truss for the top job, took aim at Rishi Sunak's policies to control inflation. We've got an inflationary spiral going on. Now we've got the war in Ukraine. That's made it even worse with regards to energy. But here in the UK, we do have to bear some of the blame for the fact that we have inflation rising on top of all of that. And that's down to the Bank of England and the Treasury's failure over, I think, uh, monetary policy. So first of all, over a year ago, well, this is important. Uh, the bank uh, actually kept on printing huge sums of money, which has inflated the economy, as well as keeping interest rates low now. It was the Treasury that signed off on that money printing, the Chancellor, no less. And so before they say, oh, it's independent, Treasury has the right to say no to the money printing bit, and they didn't. Just that has fueled inflation. So inflation is now domestically a problem. We have to deal who, with that. Who are you talking about signing off on, on this? Well, the yeah. Chancellor signed off on the, uh, on the extra money that was printed. Which uh, is you're talking about? Yeah, of course about. he did, because the, the, the Treasury has the right to say no. Uh, and between them and the bank, frankly, I think they got that one wrong. However, the Deputy Prime Minister, Dominic Raab, who is a confirmed Sunak supporter, put the case in favour of the Chancellor. I absolutely accept the pandemic is, is something that came along and you have to respond to, but there are choices there too. You can raise taxes, you can also cut spending and go back to austerity, which Rishi Sunak said he didn't want to do, or you can look at borrowing. So there are political choices here too. Well, you can't borrow your way out of an inflation crisis. And if people are suggesting that we should make cuts to the NHS at a time not just of COVID, but with all of the other non-COVID NHS challenges, they've got to spell out where they're coming from. And what Rishi has done is say, look, we need to get inflation 
under control. He has cut national insurance, the biggest tax cut in a decade for, for payrolls, £330 for a typical worker. But what he's not going to do, and, and it's important to explain why, is cut taxes when actually you'll be taking... We want to all leave people with more money in their pocket. But if you cut taxes and then inflation robs people of that money because it's worthless, or sees interest rates go up so their mortgages are more expensive, then frankly, it's a, it's a, it's a false economy. And I think Rishi is the one that is credibly stating, until we control inflation, he's the only one saying this, we're not going to be able to deliver those other things. And he's also the one that is talking about the long-term plan to strengthen investment by taking a different approach regulatory-wise. He's talked about this today. Tech, pharmaceuticals, um, uh, financial services, areas of great comparative advantage to the UK economy. So from the immediate challenge to the long-term prospectus, I think he's the one with the plan. Raab also cleared something up from his last outing at the dispatch box for Prime Minister's questions. A few weeks ago, you had a very lively Prime Minister's question session with Angela Rayner. And right at the end, who were you winking at? I was winking at Ian Murray, who was by Angie Rayner. By the way, I've got to say, Angie Rayner's great value in all of these. Uh, she's so, so lively. I mean, it's a quite a contrast with Keir. Um, but so it, why it, were you winking at Ian Murray? Ian Murray I, was, find, was... I find this to just ask well, more it, questions. Well, at PMQs, you have these subplots going on, and he was sort of braying at me uh, from uh, uh, by Angie's side, and uh, um, uh, I, I was winking at him, uh, but not least because he was talking about... I think there was something uh, that was said about uh, Angela Rayner standing in a leadership contest against Keir, and he said, what's wrong? He, I, I think I heard him say something like, what's wrong with that? Um, so uh, anyway, uh, it's all part of the cut and thrust. And finally, Ridge asked the Shadow Education Secretary, Bridget Philipson, for her take on which of the five candidates Labour has the most to fear from. I'm not worried about any of them. I don't think we've got anything to fear from any of the candidates. And the, the reason for that is that all of them have propped up Boris Johnson and the Conservative government for 12 years now. And over those 12 years, what have we seen happen in our country? We've seen our vital public services, whether that's schools or hospitals, get worse and worse. Britain is completely stuck. You can't renew your passport. More and more people go into food banks, rising levels of child poverty, growth at a terrible level, a consistent failure to grow our economy. And what are they all doing? an arms race around tax cuts, none of them prepared to set out what that means, how many teachers, how many doctors, what will be the impact on our public services. They should be asked those questions around what that means and how they will deliver it. Labour, however, we've been clear that when we put forward any policy, we'll be clear about how we fund it. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffeehouse Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again when the Sunday interview shows return in September. September.